We finished up our ABCs of Christianity uh, sermon series. I hope to start that back after Pentecost uh, next year. Uh, But this morning, just as we prepare our hearts to receive of this holy sacrament, I I want us to look at sacraments. To see, uh, we can't look at everything Scripture says about sacraments, uh, but, but at least to look at this passage and say what's here in John and throughout John's gospel. What does John want to remind us about baptism and communion and allow that to, to bless and, and encourage us as we come to this table this morning? I will say to you, I'm a little bit nervous. Matter of fact, more than nervous. I feel I'm going to talk about baptism a little bit today from John and in a little while at our 1045 service, we're going to have a Baptist youth group here. <laughs> we don't always agree, you know, on how we do the mode of baptism with our brothers and sisters there. And let me just say, I don't care. We'll talk about that. I really don't. The Methodists are wide open to every mode of baptism. But I don't know if you got to see the spelling bee this week. My wife and I were out of town. We missed it. But I love watching on Twitter. I was posting something for church this weekend and saw everybody posting about the word that they went out on when they did their spelling bee as a child. Some of my favorites were, can you imagine the word for your going out on a spelling bee being failure? (laughs) (laughs) Pessimism. That child was after he blew it in the spelling bee. Uh, And then just one of my favorites was he was asked to spell euthanasia. And so he spelled Y-U-T-H-I-N-I-S-A-S-I-A, Youth in Asia. Um, Some of the other great words people went out on, grammar, illiteracy, my personal favorite, misspelled. (laughs) Is it one or two S's? See me later, and I'll see if you're right. What What does John tell us about baptism and communion? To, to bless our worship today. There's a couple of things. It's not, not everything. It's not all encompassing, but a few reminders, especially with baptism at verse 29. This reminder again that our souls, our hearts need to be washed. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not just here, but he's going to say it again later. This reminder again that in the baptismal waters, this, this sign, this work too, that God wants to do to, to wash and cleanse our hearts. But then also in verse 33, he's connecting the Holy Spirit to Jesus' baptism. We're reminded elsewhere, and here as well is the imagery that when Jesus comes, it's not just for remission of sin, but he that comes, he'll come to baptize with the Holy Spirit to renew our hearts. There's beautiful reminders here. And let me just say, as we talk about how we do baptism again, there's there's no uniformity of practice in the early church. And not only is there no uniformity of practice on the mode of baptism, but by the late hundreds, two hundreds for sure, there's so much persecution that the church goes underground. And so we don't have as much information about what the early church did with baptism, especially communion, because the Romans thought Christians were cannibals. Because there wasn't public communion, everybody was hiding, but they heard this story of people eating flesh and drinking blood uh, because communion and church had gone, sadly, underground. But there's some beautiful imagery of the early church as well, and it picks up this imagery of the remission of sins, but also the Holy Spirit being on us, and it's, it's, it's a little different than we practice today. 
in the early church, and that's okay. But there's some imagery here, I think, that will help remind us again of what John's, what John's hinting at here. You and I would, yes, and they did that in the early church. It was water baptism, and it was in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But some diff- things were just different, and let me say that's okay. My wife's here, and so I have to be careful because I love her family. But her family, she was born and raised on the mission field in Brazil. Her mother was born and raised on the mission field in Brazil. So that whole family is very much Brazilian. And so being an introvert, going to those family reunions is difficult because what does Paul say to the church in Romans? And again, I don't care about the mode. But in Romans 16, he says, greet each other with the holy kiss. Church, do we do that? No, we don't do that, but we find ways to be hospitable. But in Brazilian culture, it's an introvert's nightmare. Her family is so loving and encouraging, but you walk into that family reunion, it's sloppy. It's three times in Brazilian culture, and it's everybody, right? And because it's Brazilian and South American, how do they talk to you? It's right here, right? I need my space. It is right here. Paul says, you better share that love. So there may be different modes in how we share the holy kiss with one another. It's one of the things I love about our church family is how hospitable we are and how welcoming and gracious we are uh, to each other, that we are church family and we have to be. So I'm not hung up about the mode. And I will say I have baptized in every mode you can think of, whether it's pouring, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, or sprinkling or immersion. I will say my first practice of immersion did not go well. I was a Batesville. They don't train you for this in seminary, especially a Methodist seminary, right? And so I went to baptize this girl named Laura, and we had gone to the Baptist church to use their baptistry. She wanted to be immersed. And of course, and I'm going to go ahead and name them, Batesville Baptist Church uh, forgot to turn the heater on to the baptistry. So Laura received the Holy Ghost that that morning, (laughs) came out with hands held high. but, but also, Laura weighed maybe 50 or 60 pounds. And so I said, name of Father, Son. And I actually, and this is the difference of the mode, the early church, you baptize forward. But in our church now, we baptize. In our day, we baptize. It doesn't matter the mode. So I went to baptize her. She just floated there on the water. <laughs> 50 pounds, you just kind of float. So I just remembered something my football coach told me about using a forearm. I put that bad boy in her sternum, and she went under the baptismal (laughs) waters and was regenerated and came back up. The mode does not matter. The mode, we want to be faithful to what scriptures say, for sure. Don't mishear me now. But there was no uniformity in the early church about that, and it's interesting, too. And I think it's helpful to us um, of what you see in the early couple hundred years of the church. Um, in some of the practices, men would go to one room to be baptized and women would go to other because you would take everything off. Incredible imagery. What is old? Who I was before Christ has got to go. I'm being born again. And so everything came off. And then after that, you stepped into a baptistry, sometimes ankle high, sometimes knee high. And before they would pour the water over you, and you see this imagery here in John's gospel, 
They would actually anoint you with oil and not just over your head and let it run down your beard. They would anoint, I mean, it was like bodybuilder kind of anointing, right? Before they go out for competition, they'd anoint you, pour oil over you. Why? What is oil a symbol of? The Holy Spirit's got all of your life. If you're saying yes to Jesus, the old has got to go. Leave it there. And that's what they did. They left their old garb, their old clothes there. It goes behind. I step in and Holy Spirit, you've got all of me. Every part of my mind, my will, my hands, my eyes, my ears, it's all Holy Spirit led now, as Paul would say to the church in Rome. It's all yours. And then they would pour uh, the water over you three times, not sprinkle or, or immerse, but th- pour three times over in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then there were some confessions, commitments you had to make. I believe in these things. Yes, I believe in these things like we still do today. It's interesting, the other two things that would happen, I don't have time for any more, but the other things that would happen is a lot of times they'd wash one another's feet. Uh, and then after that, because the church was underground, It'd be the first time you'd celebrate communion. And so they put new clothes on you, white clothes, which I love. Not only is this symbolism of being cleansed, but it was the wedding garb of the day. You've been wed to Christ. The bridegroom is yours. You're baptized in the faith. And you'd walk out of the room, and the first thing you'd do is celebrate communion. You'd share in the body and blood of Christ with other believers. Now, that's just how they did it then, being faithful to the scriptures as they knew. But it's a reminder here in John's gospel for us about baptism, that yes, baptism is for the remissions of sins. Behold, the Lamb of God here. And then later, I think in verse 36, he says it again when he sees them. But also this idea of the Spirit of God descended on Jesus at his baptism. And that's what God wants. He wants all of us. And as we come to this meal, we're reminded again of that, that Christ came to be Lamb of God for us. You see it already here in what John announces, but then when you get to John chapter 6, Jesus is very clear. I am the bread of life, and that bread is going to be broken, and that bread of life is going to bleed. And then in John 19, the bread of life was broken for us on his cross. So there's imagery here as well as we look at what John's hinting to us, saying to us about what happens, uh, uh, what God desires. And it's not just for forgiveness of sins. The last thing, you read, go back and read John 1 through 6. And everything Jesus is taking on, excuse me, Jesus is taking on every institution that's been misused, every legalism that's been highlighted. I mean, it's not just Sabbath or temple or, or, or even Jacob's well gets taken on because it's not just hoop jumping. What we're seeing is what he's trying to say to us, John saying to us in Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit with Jesus, but saying to us as well, and we heard so beautifully sung to us a few minutes ago, I don't want hoops, I want you. I want to be with you. And through the Lamb of God, the doors of heaven have been opened, and I can be with you now and always. So much imagery here packed in John's gospel for us. How is it you and I need to hear and respond to that today? As we come to this table, to say, Lord, as as we see in Christ, that Christ, every work, every word, every will of his life was yours. And we see it in the early church, covered by that oil. I want every part of me to be yours. Do you need to respond that way today? Or just this reminder, as Jesus took on these legalistic hoops, to be reminded again, as, as we heard sung to us, uh, in the second, uh, second song, just come and rest a while. 
Do you need to come to this altar and just rest and know that you are loved and God's with you? Maybe you need to hear John's words. It's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And as you've prayed today, just come and give thanks to God that if you've made your right confession, uh, that he, he will respond and he will offer you his grace. However we need to come today, I pray we'd hear that, that invitation. The invitation that is made uh, to all of us to this table because Christ invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. We were reminded uh, that on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is the, my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever.